Hey, Vanessa. Hey, Michael. Guess what? What? You'll never guess what I found on eBay and subsequently purchased on it. Well, I didn't. The company that I work for happened to purchase it. I don't even want to know. It's the coolest thing ever. Like the other 10 different things you found on eBay that were the coolest thing ever? Coolest thing ever. You got to remember, growing up, my first business was putting the arcade uh, bear claw machines, you know, the crane games, in uh, some restaurants. You didn't. I found the exact replica. Well, not replica. The exact model. A Smart Industries bear claw with the bear claw name on a mirror at the top that's got all of the lights around it. And that when you turn it on, the lights go. What are you going to do with that? It's going in my office for the entire staff to enjoy. How cool is that? You think middle-aged adults are going to play a crane game? I'm almost middle-aged and I will be. Welcome to Fireproof Your Finances, a show with 30 minutes of real questions, real concepts, and real answers. Your hosts are Michael and Vanessa Markey, a husband and wife duo with a playful on-air dynamic and common sense approach toward teaching listeners how to take control of their finances. Michael is the numbers and strategies guy who is passionate about solving financial issues. The standard deviation. I mean, I would talk about standard deviation as well, but they talk about the, the beta, the alpha, the standard deviation of the particular uh, mutual fund allocation that we're looking at. Vanessa is the down-to-earth voice of reason, pulling his reins in. Okay, but your $5,000 couch isn't going to turn around and pay for something if you have a catastrophic event. This philosophy has led Michael to receive national recognition from being named one of the 10 most innovative agencies in the country by AM Best, to being deemed a local celebrity from Insurance Newsnet magazine and a hero to the insurance industry from Life Health Pro. He has even been given the Moving America Forward Award from William Shatner. And now, here are your hosts, Michael and Vanessa Markey. Welcome, everyone, to Fireproof Your Finances. We are your hosts, Michael and Vanessa. Hello, everyone. And this is the show where we just try to make things with money a little bit easier and less complicated, less intimidating. Maybe a little funny. Probably a lot funny. Our biggest criticism from people is that we don't talk enough finance. Yeah, well. But we try. I know. There we go. You could take the money that they put in the crane game and uh-huh. donate it. Okay. I mean, that'd make it worthwhile. I'm not mm-hmm. expecting people to actually pay money. I was just going to add credits like where you can just... Oh, I forgot you know how to manipulate the machine. Yeah. Cheater, cheater, pumpkin eater. Oh, I even know where the adjustment is for the claw to change the uh, the how grip. How wide it goes? No, uh, uh, the tension. I played, yes, I played, so a lot of listeners probably don't know. When I was about 13 years old, the Beanie Baby craze was... Out of control. In full blast. And I've got, I think it's 31 first cousins, and I remember a lot of them, plus um, aunts and, you know, and, and my, my mom were collecting the Beanie Babies. We stood in line at McDonald's every day to get the teeny beanie babies. Exactly. My mom yes. was nuts. Exactly my point. And so I saw this, and I don't know why my mind works this way, but I thought, 
what if you could, if people are willing to wait for hours, what if you put it in one of those arcade games, the ones with the claw? And so I looked it up. I was able to find a distributor back then. And then I went into my cousin's own some restaurants in Lansing. And I went in the restaurants and I sat there and counted the number of people who were non-construction workers. I was biased. I figured that if they were big, burly construction dude, you're not playing my game. Right. Which actually wasn't true. Really? Yeah, because, I mean, they had kids. Well, yeah, I guess that's, you should have counted the number of kids. Not with them. Oh. They would play on, say, lunch hour or whatever. And so I counted the number of people, then I multiplied that by a percentage that I thought might play the game, and then I multiplied that by um, the percentage of people who would win as a cost, right, so revenue, now multiplied that by the people who might win times the price of what I thought I could buy the Beanie Babies for, and there was your estimated cost. Right. And I was probably more proficient with Excel back then than I am now because I put together a whole break-even cost analysis, which I didn't call it break-even because I didn't know that it even existed. You called it, this is what I'm going to make on this mom and dad. Can you loan me the money? That's almost exact. I remember coming up to him and it was at dinner. I'm like, "Uh, after dinner, I've got a business proposition that I'm going to need to share with you. Uh Uh-huh. I was probably like, probably looked like that Mark from uh, Step by Step. I don't watch that show a whole lot. You know is what? that the kid, blonde kid with the glasses? Yeah, there oh, it okay. is. Okay, yeah. And I got it. I remember, too, it's funny because my dad listens to the idea, and both of them said that my mom and dad were at the table, and he looks at it and goes, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard, which probably is when he got kicked under the table the first time. Right. I said, well, I need $1,500. Now, remember, I'm like 13. This is 20-plus years ago. So thirteen hundred or $1,500 is a good chunk today. Yes. But that's basically probably double back then. Right. Right? If you Or double today, right? Right. And uh, so I, I show it, and here's, you know, here's what I think I can buy them at and all this. And, and so my dad looks at me and just says, well, it's a dumb idea. But, uh, you know, we'll loan you the money. He said, you're going to pay me eight per, or us, your mother and I, 8% interest, which I think is where he got kicked to the second time. And just Why? Because she thought it was a horribly high amount? Yeah. Well. And... He goes, and when this doesn't work, because it won't, uh, you will work for me for minimum wage, and you'll work more than enough hours each week than just the interest. Right. But lo and behold, you know, so, and oh, and the other thing was he lowered it to 1000 He's like, first rule of business, you need to learn how to work with less. And it's interesting, because he was right. I was able to get it for less. And I was able to then do some odd jobs. So I guess you'd say unintentionally, or maybe that was the intention. I've never asked. But I had more skin in the game. Then my mom took me to some of these uh, stores to talk about buying their Beanie Babies in bulk. And at first, they'd laugh you out, out of the room. But then I'm like, here's the deal. You got this whole big bin of Beanie Babies no one wants. How many little Beanie Baby snakes are people going to buy? Right. They not don't the- want that. It's not the Princess Diana one with the little rose on its exactly. chest. <laughs> and I don't remember how I did this. I, I, I remember it had something to do with the internet. But I was able to find a purchase order. For them on the internet back then, because things weren't really secure like they are right. as secure, maybe. And I found that they got the Beanie Babies at $2 a animal. Right, and then they turned around and sold them for 5 I was thinking it was 8 5 back in the day. It could be. I remember I, I was able to go negotiate buying the, the ones no one wanted at two fifty bulk, and I buy them at 100 at a time. Okay. And then they had to put some bears aside for me. So I think it was every hundred 
cruddy ones I bought. I got like three bears, four bears. But not the Princess Diana bear. Oh, yes, I did. And so I took this and then I put them. All this was a long story unintentionally. I put them then in the crane game and in the middle of the game. You put the purple bear. I put a, a platform. A platform was great because it lowered the odds of winning. I played this thing in my garage about 5,000 times to therefore be able to determine the you know the winning percentages, which as I think now was biased because now I had a skill that most people didn't have when you play the game 5,000 times. Right. How long, how long do you think it took me to pay that back? I remember you telling me, but I don't. I thought it was like maybe a month. I think it was two weeks. Right. I remember going to that machine the very first time, <clears throat> and I opened it up, and it had a dollar bill acceptor. Now, the, the one I just got doesn't have a dollar bill. Acceptor? Yeah. Does it have a coin acceptor? It does. Okay. It's got two coins. I had one coin and a dollar bill. And that dollar bill thing could fit about five hundred dollar bills. Okay. Five one or five one dollar bills. Five hundred one dollar bills. Right. And it wasn't the first night, the Friday night. Um I went there Saturday. I had like thirty bucks. Now I'm ecstatic. Thirty bucks. I'm thirteen years old was a huge amount. Right. Thirty bucks in twenty four hours. I get called though Sunday and I'm told the machine's broken. And I'm going, what? Oh, man, you know, I, I I don't know how to fix this thing. I get there. You know why it was broken? It was overloaded with money. You couldn't, it could not fit more $1 bills. So you had to empty the thing out every day. I think it was 300 I take that back. I think it could fit 300 $1 bills. But yes. How upset was your dad when you didn't really actually have to pay him any interest back? None. Now then he started talking about you should expand to two machines and yeah. Well, yep. had a point. Yeah. Let's okay. take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to actually talk about DoorDash this week um, and a possible tech bubble, DoorDash being a good example. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Everyone knows I like to focus on quality. And they know I try to rein you in and focus on cost. It's rare to find both top quality and low cost at the same time. Think again. GRMusicLessons.com has a plan for every budget. Owned and operated by Tom Buffum, a Christian music teacher who played for the Grand Rapids Symphony, the Jubal Brass Choir, and graduated from the University of Michigan. He's been giving lessons since before we were born. Go to GRMusicLessons.com. That's GRMusicLessons.com. Welcome back, everyone, to segment two of Fireproof Your Finances. Join us on Twitter, although we have been seriously lacking. It's been kind of a rough month, though. Well, your daughter broke my phone. She used you, it as her own. You can't use that as an excuse. She broke that a month ago. I know, but I haven't downloaded Twitter. Oh, so it's your fault. Hey, look at what I have up here. Google. Google search is? Memory trail. And what's it say? Memory trail of family history experience. Build your family history. Attach stories. It's a it's a website for you to build something that's not. So uh, it's a memory trail. If you t- if you type in memory lane, I can guarantee sayings with memory lane are going to pop up. But there's a saying here with memory trail. These are websites. These are physical places. Memory Trail Street, Hollywood Park, Texas. Well, that that's a separate search. Memory lane. Ha, motors, same thing. Boom, I'm okay. right, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Are you ready? Yes, All right. let's talk about DoorDash. DoorDash. So tell everyone, what is DoorDash? 
DoorDash is a food delivery service basically for restaurants that don't have their own delivery service. Right. So uh, you can you can pretty much DoorDash anything. It seems DoorDash, like, yeah. Uber Eat, whatever. We actually Who? My sister cuz she's helping me out at the office and my younger brother and I, they came, well, they the two of them came up to my office yesterday. We're like we're getting Applebee's and I said, "Well, I'll just send you with a credit card." The company card. I mean, we're all mm-hmm. at work reading. And my brother looks at me and goes, I have DoorDash. Why would I do that? Just type it in. I was like, well, then I'll give you the credit card and just put it on that. It's just linked to my debit card. Just tell me what you want. <laughs> but, you know, DoorDash, I'm trying to see if I have the article for it. DoorDash does upcharge, not only add a delivery fee. Correct. But what I read is that DoorDash does upcharge on some of the, the things you buy. Well, right, because it does not make any sense for DoorDash to operate when you order off the dollar menu at McDonald's and have <laughs> them, you know what I mean? Like, right. if you're ordering three $1 hamburgers from McDonald's and having DoorDash deliver, why would they not upcharge that? Well, because I think there is a delivery fee on some. Anyway, the point that we want to talk about, though, let's roll the clock back uh, 20 years ago. Or, or 22 years ago, right? Late 90s, we have we eventually have what's called the tech bubble. Yep. Now, the tech bubble, if we simplify it and characterize it, was what? Do you remember? I know you're a little younger than I am. All of these tech companies were coming out, and everybody was investing in tech. And there was nothing there, though. Right. If you had a catchy name, and you had this ambition to someday be profitable... People were, just, you know, the the stock price on these things was going through the roof, even though fundamentally there was nothing there. Oh, kind of like your website, support the droops. Don't 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 <laughs> go there. It's a great name. We just own the website, but there's nothing on it. We own several websites like that. I know. They're a dollar. You know what? Look at that rabbit trail. That's what you do. Yep. That you know what? That's new term. Memory trail is when you go down memory and you're ADD like me and you go boop, 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 like a rabbit trail. All right. Anyways, tech boom. So tech boom, price of these companies goes sky high, even though they're not making any money and they do nothing. Right. Now, DoorDash is doing something. And so here's an article from businessofapps.com. But a lot of the numbers that they're using here are cited based on filings from DoorDash. Right. And I've been able to find a few other areas that seem to collaborate this. So I I don't really think this is um, in question. Right. So here's some issues I have. Number one, it was launched in 2013. Cool. No big deal. In 2017, DoorDash revenues. Now, DoorDash, it does have a note here, has been selling on revenue, annual run rate, and total transaction volume. Data comes from documents leaked by the information and the information being capitalized as in as a source and estimates. Source, the information. Let's click on that. Which is the information.com, by the way. Right. All right. So. But anyway, so it has 2017, 2018, and 2019 revenue. And the revenue goes sky high. It goes from... Five hundred and fifty million in twenty seventeen to one billion just two years later. Mm-hmm. Five fifty, then seven hundred, then a billion. 
Now, as they're growing this, and we've seen this before, okay, and this is where people will get upset. They'll say, it's a billion-dollar company, and they're not paying any tax. Why? Is it because they're a tax loophole? No, because if you scroll down a little bit further, it shows what they actually profited that year. Which was so 2019, they had how much in sales, according one, to the information? One billion. And how much in profit did they have? Negative 450 million. Million. They almost lost a half. more than, way more, almost half of what they gained. Yeah. So DoorDash has said, by the way, in quotations, it aims to be profitable, but has never publicly announced a profitable year. Maybe more interesting, and the sources for this is Business Insider, mm -hmm. Bloomberg, CNBC. So something a little bit more reliable than the information. DoorDash valuation. Walk us through that. 2015, it was $0.5 billion. So $500 million. Then they skip a couple of years, and they go to 2018, do, yeah. and it's $7 billion. 2019 is 13 billion and 2020 is estimated to be as high as 16 billion. That's B. Yeah. B as in boy. Right. B as in boy are you losing a ton of money. Right. <laughs> so and and maybe this isn't a big deal yet. Because uh, all right, here they're, they're trying to capture market share, right? They're growing, they're spending that on maybe advertising. So here they go from uh, 500 million, 550 million in sales to a billion. They're losing more money. Yeah, but maybe they're just marketing more, right? Um, the valuation, though, as they lose money, goes, what is that, 30 fold? Yeah, it like skyrockets. 30 fold. And maybe more interesting is this money that they've raised. Which is that, like, what do they mean by DoorDash total raised? It means in this year, 2015, well, that's a good question. Is that total for the year or total for, you know, uh, conglomerate? Oh, it's funding. Got it. Oh, I thought you were asking something different. But the, the raised money goes from about $2 million in 2013 to $2.5 billion in 2020. Yes. Let's take our last break. I'm going to dig into, this is from Crunchbase. I want to see if that's $2.5 billion aggregate. I don't know. I didn't think of that before, but it shouldn't take much to find. And then we'll, we'll go over a couple more stats on why this reminds me of the tech bubble take our last break. United Airlines makes it easy to fly from Muskegon County Airport with a travel-friendly schedule and competitive airfares. Haven't flown from Muskegon in a while? Fly locally with a short commute and parking located just steps from the terminal. Check-in and security lines are never more than 50 passengers per flight. At the end of your trip, get your bags quickly and be home in no time. Flights depart daily at 6.30 a.m. and 1 p.m. Starting mid-February, the evening flight arrives at 11.20 p.m. to maximize return flight options from most locations. It pays to check Muskegon first at united.com. Everyone knows I like to focus on quality. And they know I try to rein you in and focus on cost. It's rare to find both top quality and low cost at the same time. Think again. grmusiclessons.com 
has a plan for every budget. Owned and operated by Tom Buffum, a Christian music teacher who played for the Grand Rapids Symphony, the Jubal Brass Choir, and graduated from the University of Michigan. He's been giving lessons since before we were born. Go to grmusiclessons.com. That's grmusiclessons.com. We're back for our final segment. Thank you for listening. It's always our pleasure. Um, Before the break, we're talking about DoorDash. So DoorDash is a food delivery service, a third-party food delivery service. Now, you could say it's food delivery. I'm going to argue it's a tech company. Right. Because it's all about creating the technology to bring together people willing, like an Uber, Mm -hmm. willing to do this service, restaurants willing to let somebody do this service, and the consumer who wants this service. Right. So all it really is is a logist a technology logistics company. Correct. Cuz they don't own any you know they don't these aren't W2 employees. No, it's all um probably contracted work. Exactly. And so the estimate here is that in 2020 or I'm sorry 2019 that DoorDash lost 450 million dollars. Now, we can see between 2019 and 2020 that the amount of money that's been raised, the funding they've done through institutional investors increased by about four or increased from $2.1 billion to $2.5 billion. Now, that's a cumulative amount. That wasn't $2.5 billion raised in 2020. Right. It, it, that means it total. Increased. Yeah. But look at that. We're estimating here they lost... Between 18 and 19, about a billion dollars, right? Right. Look at the difference between cumulative money raised between 18 and 19. It's 972 million cumulative in 18, 2.1 billion cumulative in 19. So they basically. It's about a billion dollars. Yeah. A little over a billion dollars. That's a lot of money. So you want to argue that they've lost this almost billion. It makes, it lines up. It makes sense. And here's, this is where it gets me though. Right. DoorDash users. So the estimate from total number of, uh, and this is from eMarketer, estimate from total number of food delivery apps users divided by percentage of market share for food delivery market. The DoorDash users users has increased fivefold in the last two years. Correct. It's gone from four million to twenty. Right. Although, because it's jacked up in twenty twenty, you could technically blame COVID. People were stuck at home and they were getting but, delivery service. Yeah. It's still not profitable though. Yeah. No, I know. I'm just saying. DoorDash s- subscribers per the source here is DoorDash has yeah. doubled from point eight million to one and a half. Mm-hmm. The restaurants participating has gone from 59,000 to 340,000 again per DoorDash. CDs has gone from 21 to 4,000. You said CDs. Was oh, cities. Cities. And market share has gone from 5 to 45. This is what the big deal is to me. You've got almost half the market share. And you still can't make money. And you're losing money faster. There's a problem there. There's a problem when you have almost half of the market share and you're not profitable. Right. And maybe I'm off my rocker here. And obviously these institutional investors 
they're so, you know they they make a lot of good decisions. Certainly, they make some bad ones too. But the estimated value of this company, while it's hemorrhaging cash, to go from less than a billion to sixteen billion in five years. I don't know that you can argue that it's a a company that for its services, for its revenues, or potential revenues and potential profits can be worth $16 billion. Right. So why, assuming that's a good number, why does a company like that become worth so much? I have no idea. It's very, very simple. Users. It's direct access to consumer behavior for 20 million users. True. And consistent, you know, access to that behavior. When something is free, and we don't have enough time, I wish I could talk more about this. You know, you get on Google and you start looking up DoorDash. Next thing you know, you have ads for... Uber Eats, and all these other places. Correct, because they all piggyback off each other. If I look up cars for a while, I've never done that. No, (laughs) never. What happens? Stuff on my phone, it's like, oh, here, look at what we found. A 1975, (laughs) blah, 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 blah. And it's like, what? I get emailed car ads. Uh, You know, um, even if I'm on Amazon, you get if I'm reading an article, you'll notice when you read an article and you scroll, and all of a sudden in the middle of the article, there's an ad. It's about cars. It's about boats. My Google searches dictate some of that. The more terrifying thing is if I look something up on my computer, I start seeing ads on my phone. Because it's linked. Because you linked your, you, your computer. Have you ever looked at your Google account on your computer? Technically, yes. And you've done it on your phone. Boom. They're linked. I still Here's don't like it. Here's the deal. Well... People get upset about it. And I'm going to challenge you right now, how much do you pay for Google? Nothing. Google's free to you. Google's one of the largest companies in the world. It's free to you, so where on earth do they make their money? By selling other people's ads. When it's, no, by selling your information. Well, yeah, whatever. Two people, two companies. Why is Facebook free? Because they sell my information to people, which is why my phone goes off all the time for stupid telemarketers. Because you are the product. Why is DoorDash low cost? Jokes on Facebook. I don't bite. Because you're the product. These things that are free that people are getting mad at, that they miss, you know, use your personal information. Stop biting for the free product. Well, perfect example. I handed my brother cash for my salad from Applebee's. It was technically eleven dollars, and well, okay, like eleven, eight, yeah, whatever, whatever. I gave him fifteen, and he goes, "Your salad wasn't even hardly twelve dollars." And I went, "You have to tip the guy, and you're paying for DoorDash." And he kind of looked at me, and goes, "I guess you're right." <laughs> it's just this, I, it's this idea from people though, that it's not right that these companies are selling your information. I think we should open our eyes. I think that if you had a Girl Scout cookie person, can, I can still say girls. Girl Scouts only love girls, right? Correct, as far as I know. If a Girl Scout girl cookie selling girl came to your door. If a Girl Scout came to your door selling her cookies. That was easier to say. Yeah. And said, don't worry, it's free. 
Would you believe him? No. Would most people? I mean, probably. I don't think so. You don't think most people are going to be skeptical? Well, anytime anybody comes up to you and goes, look it, it's free. No. We say that and it makes sense, yet you go on Google, it's free. Oh, why would it? Why would they charge you? You go to Facebook, it's free. Yahoo, they should pay you because their search engine is horrible. I just but, wrote somebody's email address down today that was a Yahoo address, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> but all this stuff that in a real world you'd be like, free, what are you talking about? If somebody offers you a cruise for free, you're like, eh, what's the catch? Yeah. How many, How many? Um, what do they call those things? Timeshare presentations. How many timeshares do I got to sit through? Because yeah. if I'm sitting down below in a timeshare the whole time I'm there, I ain't going. When they say, oh, you can come to Vegas, and for three nights comp, you're like, hmm, what's the catch? But Google says, hey. We'll search through 50 million inquiries for you in 0.12 seconds. You're like, oh, really? This sounds interesting. And Are I'm you kidding deaf. me? If it's free and it's tech, guess what? You're the product. Correct. That's all the time we have for you today. It's absolutely a pleasure. It always is. It goes by too fast. Until next week, we are your hosts, Michael and Vanessa. This has been another episode of Fireproof Your Finances. God bless. This has been Fireproof Your Finances with Michael and Vanessa Markey. Want to listen to past shows or get in touch with Michael or Vanessa? Head over to twitter.com slash fireproofshow or go to fireproofradio.net. All matters discussed during the show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation. Mike Markey and Legacy Financial Network are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any government agency.